Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Vixen Wong, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is Senior Staff Writer Ryan Whitfield. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, I'm doing dandy. I'm the, on the eve of uh, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs, so I couldn't be in a better mood. Oh, yeah, right. we got a lot of stuff coming up. I know you probably got to have to have a half an eye on the Celtics, though, right? I mean, they, they are also going to be in the NBA playoffs probably this weekend, so you got to... Yeah, you a Celtics fan at all? Oh, well, of course I'm a Celtics fan. I think mean, you had some warmth during the, the Bulls series last year, but uh, when you lose Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, Daniel Tice, uh, and on down the list, uh, the prospects are pretty equal, uh, so I'm not, uh, I, I won't be paying too much attention to be honest. Yeah, so at least you guys, at least you have somebody to root for. I got, I mean, the Bulls basically are, uh, are hunting for that uh, lottery pick, and they've been doing a great job of getting that lottery pick. And the Blackhawks also complete disappointment this year, so I got nothing. I'm rooting for my five and five Cubs right now, which is that is even disappointing. So I got nothing going on for me. Uh, so we got a lot to discuss today. We're going to be talking about Jordan Matthews going to the New England Patriots. We're going to be talking about Eric Reed and free agency. And whether what he did during the season might be impacting his free agent market, we're going to talk a little bit about Alex Guerrero, Brady's controversial trainer, and Bill Belichick, because there's been some back and forth there, including what's happening with Bronx. And we're going to talk about some quarterbacks in the draft that other people aren't really talking about. Everyone's talking about the top five, but we're going to talk about some deeper, deeper guys that might be worth picking in the second, third, fourth round. And then we're going to have some way too early AFC and NFC Conference champ predictions and much more. So let's go ahead and uh, get this thing going. All right, as I said, former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Jordan Matthews, whom we discussed last week, just signed with the New England Patriots for a one-year deal worth a million dollars plus $700,000 in incentives. And the kicker is that it's only $170,000 guaranteed. It's a very, very small amount. Now, just to give everybody a little bit of background, you might recall that back in 2014, the Titans traded their second-round pick to the Eagles for the Eagles' second-round pick and their Eagles' fourth-round pick. Now, those picks ended up being, for the Titans, Bishop Sankey and Marcus Huff. And on the other side of that, for the Eagles, that became Jordan Matthews. So, if you put it in perspective, Sankey was waived by the Titans in 2016. His waived are cut multiple times until being placed in IR prior to the 2017 season and essentially is now nowhere to be seen. Huff was waived by the Titans in 2016 and has since been waived or cut four other times before landing on a reserve future contract with the Cowboys, so also essentially out of the league. Matthews, on the other hand, had three moderately productive years with the Eagles, uh, none, none of which that he broke 1,000 yards and none that he had more than eight touchdowns, but moderately productive years in the Eagles being traded on August of 2017 to the Buffalo Bills um, for Ronald Darby. And, of course, the Darby trade worked out well for the Eagles. We know how all that turned out. But then Matthews went on to Buffalo, was injured immediately upon getting there, really had an injured marred season, only played 10 games, started seven, had a, had a very anemic 282 yards and one single touchdown, averaging only 28.2 yards per game. But he's back, and now he's in New England. So what are your thoughts about Jordan Matthews and New England Patriots? Yeah, so to, to put on record that uh, I haven't been overly biased as uh, – 
this offseason. I've not been uh, overly thrilled with uh, the majority of the Patriots' approach. Um, while I understand that it, it seems that they're building more for restocking and uh, kind of restocking the farm here and not worried about Brady's window, which makes sense for the long haul of the franchise. But um, when you don't have that next quarterback, it's been somewhat concerning. But with that said, um, this is one of the few moves this, this offseason that I actually really do like by the Patriots. Now, I think I don't often bring stats to the show, so get ready. Um, you know, I think you're a little bit. I think you're a little bit unfair there. You mentioned oh, yeah? that he didn't okay. eclipse a thousand yards in his first three seasons, but he did put up 2,700 yards over the three seasons total. So overall, he was about 100 yards on average short of hitting a thousand yards per season during those three years. So he was he was better than people give him credit for in Philadelphia. Um, I've never really understood the Jordan Matthews. You know, I, I heard a couple of the the fantasy guys this week uh, talking on some local sports stations saying that, that Matthews, his stats were inflated in Philadelphia because he was the only target. And it was before, you know, Ertz had really developed and before Nelson Aguilar developed. And, okay, so those guys took a while and, and didn't develop as quickly. Doesn't they, So doesn't some of that praise deserve to land on – I know we got a lot of targets. I think one year he had like 125 targets. Um, yeah. So obviously he got fed the ball. But people don't just wake up and catch 800 yards in their rookie year. That, that doesn't happen. So, And then he went to Buffalo last year, which did nothing for his stock because he was hurt and he had Tyrod Taylor throwing him the football. Again, look at – we talked about him last week before the Patriots signed him. I said this last week that – look what happened to Kelvin Benjamin when he went to, to Buffalo. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is just not an NFL quarterback. I'm sorry. He throws the ball 20 times a game sometimes. So, I mean, at, at that rate, it's impossible to get 125 targets no matter who you are. So, you know, I think that his stock took a huge hit. Um, you know, the, the biggest and most obvious reason why, and if you watch Jordan Matthews enough, you know, um, especially sometimes in clutch situations, there's a perpetuality, uh, uh, perpetuity, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You get me. Propensity, Jesus, it's been a long day. Yep. You know, I, I work in sales, so I, I talk for a living too. Uh, so that, that's right. embarrassing. But um, he has <laughs> and we're not the grammar the police here. So. <laughs> <laughs> to drop the ball in big situations. Um, I submit Will Fuller. I, I again, I had uh, multiple guys on the list now that I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a blank on in a big moment here. But like, there are a lot of guys who have had drop issues before that that continue uh, that that can still be effective receivers. You know, he he's not gonna be a number one go-to guy, but that's what you have Gronkowski and Julian Edelman for. And Malcolm Mitchell proved in two years ago in the Super Bowl he can do that if uh, you know when the when the game's on the line if he's if he's healthy. So. I think this is a great deal. Like you said, 170,000 uh, guaranteed. So that means with, with, with a, you know, basically half the contract being in, in, in incentives with its total value around 1.7 million. Um, it remains a contract year for him. So he has every reason to produce. He has uh, everything to gain because we all saw what the wide receiver market looked like this last year. Um, so if he goes out and he has, just say Brandon Cook's production or Danny Amendola, hell yeah, let's say Danny Amendola production last year, you know, 60 – 60 receptions, 600 yards, and a handful of touchdowns. You know, he's going to go out there and get, you know, a couple-year contract. He's also a lot younger, so he can go out there and get two years, $10 million next year. So um, there, there's a lot of incentive for him in, for him to come in here and get this. And uh, obviously the Patriots have had some cap issue going into this year, so this move doesn't handcuff them anymore. And, uh, you know, perfect Patriot move. Get him in here, get a year out of him, produce, and then, and then cut bait. Yeah, and I, and I, I was maybe perhaps a little bit unfair – to him, he has uh, he has uh, had a catch percentage up in the 60s. Has never been below 62.4% uh, on a season, and he does average about uh, 
yards per reception, and he's been pretty standard for throughout his career, even including his down year with Buffalo. So he does have some potential there. Now, my, my concern with him, of course, is injury. He had the broken sternum. He had surgery on his knee and his ankle on the offseason. Uh, it's unclear how that will impact him going forward. But, hey, this is a low-risk move. We cost nothing. And, honestly, with Patriots, I think that you have Gronk, Edelman, and Hogan as your first three, and perhaps even White or one of your running your running backs as your number four. So, he really, he only has to fill in a very small void, uh, which he will uh, have a chance to rotate in with Malcolm Mitchell. So, I think low-risk, high-upside move. I, I like the move uh, significantly. And uh, just more, to make the point. point yeah. Yep. Before we move on, I want to throw this to you because uh, this has came to me. Would you rather have Sammy Watkins at equal money or Jordan Matthews at equal money based on what they've both done in the NFL? At, at equal money. Wow. Uh, you know, that's really, that's, that's a tough one because I, I think oh, I, the problem is that the market is so much better for Jordan Matthews because it's so much, he had such a bad year last year, but yeah, equal money. I probably take Jordan Matthews because he's uh, much more, he's much more consistent. Because he can run routes? Is that what you meant to say? Because he does something besides run flat <laughs> And he catches the, the ball, sideline. you know, and yeah, he runs a lot of routes and catches <laughs> the ball. You know, I mean, that's, that's, those are two things you like out of your wide receiver, right? Run routes and catch the ball, something that Sammy Watkins has a problem with. So, right, um, so we're I think we're on the same that we would take, Yeah, we take Jordan Matthews at equal money, but the difference is that Jordan Matthews costs 1.7 and uh, Sammy Watkins was double digits. So, uh, right. you know, that just shows you some, some of the GM, uh, you know, caliber brains out there. Right, and wide receivers are difficult to come by, and this is an interesting stat I saw thrown out recently. In the past three drafts, they've been 13 first-round wideouts, and they've only produced one pro bowler and nine players who have – and there are nine players of that in 13 that have never caught 40 passes in a season. So, quite frankly, it's not easy to find a good wide receiver, and if you can get one cheap, then, uh, you know, all the more power to you. So I think that's really fantastic. We'll see how that kind of plays out in the regular season. Let's ring the bell on that one. Move on to our next topic, and that's Eric Reed. So Eric Reed, and this is interesting, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, is visiting the Cincinnati Bengals, which is surprisingly his first known visit of the free agency period. Now, he became an unrestricted free agent last month after spending the first five seasons with the 49ers. Now, Reed had tweeted at the beginning of the league year that he wasn't receiving interest from the teams because of his decision to protest during the national anthem. Uh, He said, quote, the notion that I can be a great signing for your team for cheap, not because of my skill set, but because I protested systemic oppression is ludicrous. If you think it is, then your mindset is part of the problem, too. Now, Reed was the first player to kneel next to Colin Kaepernick during the national anthem in protests of racial inequality and systemic oppression against minorities and has remained outspoken regarding his views. But Reed said in March that he would not kneel during the national anthem during the 2018 season, but would instead find other ways to take action. Now, Reed was a first-round pick by the 49ers in 2013. He made the Pro Bowls a rookie, has been a solid safety-slash-linebacker throughout his career, he has 10 interceptions, 36 passes defense, and in 70 career games. What are your thoughts on Reed? Do you think that his free agency market is weak because of what he says, because of his protests during the on-season, or do you think it's something else? Is it his skill set his, or his matchups or defenses? What do you think it is? You know, I think, and I don't want to get too political here, I think my opinions on, on the protests have been uh, well-documented, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say. The... the the thing that gets frustrating in these situations for me is that it's always looked through, you know, it's, it's uh, again, not to get too political, but there's, there's definitely the bipartisan system of, you know, we're going to look at things in either fit into this category, or that category. So either, either it's because his, his skills have dis- diminished or it's because 
because of the the league is taking a black ball stance against him because of his uh, of his protests. And for me, I like to live in the gray, baby. You know, I, I never think it's black or white. Like it's it's both in my yeah. opinion. First of all, yep. your market's lower because you're a strong safety in a league that's about the passing game. There are very right. few there are very few guys I would extend myself for that play a traditional strong safety and you know a, a healthy Cam Chancellor before the last couple of injuries. You know what he was two three years ago. That's a guy you go and pay. And so it, it's kind of it, you know about, so I, I touched on politics and I'll move to economics here for you. Um, you know it's the wow. it's the value chart, right? for it's our the, listeners today. <laughs> it's the it's the, it's the product you know the the break even point or the the pricing chart of where does where does value and um, an opportunity meet, right? So on one yeah. end, you have his skill set where it is and, and what the value for strong safety market is. And then you have to factor in that while I disagree with the, with the people who get angry at the protesting, um, you know, the ratings are down and there are people out there taking surveys. And you know, if you pay attention to Twitter, there are people claiming they're stopped watching the league because of this. And I don't think that's the major reason, reason why people have turned away from the league and the ratings right. are down. But um, there, there is a, a, you know, a price value chart. And so... To some degree, I think it is that, yeah, people don't want the headache of this or the owners of the teams don't. And let's be honest, uh, the, the owners are the, the, old, the good old boys club, so I'm sure that there's uh, some, uh, some not very open-minded people in there, and I think uh, you know, McNair down in Houston would be uh, point A. Um, yeah, but, right. You know, I think some of these guys do look at it and, and disagree with it, um, and, and they don't want the, the drama on their team. They don't want it to hurt their brand because at the end of the day, it's a business. But I think above all else, the thing I always say, that if, if Cam Newton started taking a knee every time it was outspoken as Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton would still be employed. You know, it's <laughs> right. just, I think Colin Kaepernick should be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but we're talking about a bottom 15 guy. And if you have him on your team um, and you don't have the right pieces around him, which most bottom 15 teams don't, you know, right. they look at it and go, hey, is he going to win us a Super Bowl? No. Do I want this headache or do I personally agree with it? No. And so it's, it's all these other factors. So. I think right. it's multiple. I think he should have a job, and I think Colin Kaepernick should have a job. But to just say that it's one or the other, it's a again, you're a strong safety in a passing league, so that that definitely plays a factor. And, and if you can't see that, then I don't know what to tell you. Well, the Bengals are have not shied away from controversy, and they are a good place for him to be because they do need they do have a little bit of a gap there. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. So let's go ahead and ring the bell on that topic. Move on to our next topic, and that's a little bit of controversy with Bill Belichick. And Rob Gronkowski. So Rob Gronkowski has been working out at TB12 uh, since last year with Tom Brady's controversial trainer, Alex Guerrero. In fact, at one point early last season, Bill Belichick chastised Gronk in front of the players for being a TB12 client. Now, in December of 2017, Belichick banned Guerrero from the sideline and stopped letting him fly to the team. He was also forbidden from treating players other than Tom Brady at the stadium. However, Guerrero was still training players at the TB12 center adjacent to the stadium, so it really wasn't much of a ban. But it's not only Belichick that thinks poorly of Guerrero. Guerrero previously ran afoul of the Federal Trade Commission in 2005 by claiming his nutritional supplement, Supreme Greens, could cure terminal illness, including cancer, AIDS, multiple sclerosis, and Parkinson's disease. He was found to have faked clinical evidence regarding to a 100-patient test group, which never actually existed. He also falsely represented that he was a doctor. Not only is he not an, an, a medical doctor, but he only actually has a master's in Chinese medicine from a college in Los Angeles that has since lost its accreditation in 2007. Now, the FTC forced him to pay a fine and to never represent he's a doctor and to never, again, attempt to sell these types of products. 
But several years later, he did so again with NeuroSafe, a product that he claimed protect players from concussions. And this time he used Tom Brady and Wes Welker to help him make sales. The FTC once again shut him down in 2012, but Guerrero continues to treat Brady and other Patriots at TB12, a company that Guerrero and Brady are partners at. Now, clearly, no head coach wants his players to use their own training staff. They want them to work with the team's training staff. But what do you think about the Guerrero business? Was Bilicek right in confronting Gronk on working with Guerrero, or should these decisions be left just to the players? They're all a bunch of babies. I <laughs> You know, I if you'd asked me uh, years you know years ago if I could ever be this angry at Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and Rob Gronkowski, I'd tell you impossible. But I mean, these <laughs> these three petulant children have really really done it to me this off season. Wow. Um, you know, and the funny thing is, is I, I say this, and I hope none of those Twitter people I've been fighting with uh, are gonna are gonna now go and uh, post. Uh, or go and listen to this, but uh, you know the, <laughs> okay. the, 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 the the sensitive Bobo Patriot fan out there says, "Oh, nothing's wrong." No, the media is just making this all up. Yeah, I mean, a hundred stories saying the same thing. Rob Gronkowski still not committing to playing via his agent Drew Rosenhaus, by the way. Right. Um, Tom Brady, who for the first time in his career with a year left on his contract, hasn't redone his contract on a team-friendly deal. And Bill Belichick and, and Robert Kraft went and basically begged. Uh, Josh McDaniels to come back before he left. No, nothing to see here. Nothing's wrong. Woo, Patriot way. <laughs> Idiots. Dumb asses. Anyways, this situation. Oh, oh Gronk, when you get chastised in practice, boo-hoo. Oh, my God. These, these guys, I, I am I am at the end of my leash. So help me God. Let's get the facts straight. <laughs> Alex Guerrero is a snake oil salesman. He is, <laughs> he is filth. He is human trash. He lied, like you said, about curing cancer, diabetes, the whole nine yards, and he backs it all up by saying, well, it's just not noticed by the West because it's Eastern medicine. I'll tell you, yeah. against, against my entire family's wishes, and mainly just because I'm terrified of it, I haven't been to a doctor's in six years. So I, I really read into Eastern <laughs> medicine because that's my, that's my whole prevention plan from dying. So I believe in Eastern <laughs> medicine. But, but to say that, but to say that, that you that, – that, to, to, to soil the name of Eastern medicine in the name of your own selfish capitalistic pursuits – which is, again, if, if, if from an Eastern culture standpoint, against everything that they're about because you're really just claiming Eastern things so you can monetize it and, and right. grow this TV 12 brand. Disgusting. Tom Brady, you earned you earned the right to work with whoever you want. And Bill Belichick, get over it. Your, your training methods, you, you think that they work better than anything and you don't want all these guys going to the team and you don't want them there. I get it that if he starts you know, overstepping his grounds, you don't want him there. That's fine. But at the same time, I don't know, he's doing something right with Tom. Some, something's working because five years ago his game was getting worse. He was he was not he was not progressing in 2012 and 2013. Now Jimmy G coming behind him and lighting a fire under his ass certainly helped. But that's around mm-hmm. the same time that him and Guerrero really started the new stuff and he really switched over a veget you know a vegetarian diet. And not to get on a rant here, but there's three elite athletes in Boston right now on each team. Zidane Charo, who's 41, who's doing what Brady did, is also a vegetarian, and then. Uh, Kyrie Irving is, is, is a vegan or a vegetarian. So there's something to cut meat out of your diet, but that's a story for another day. So anyways, <laughs> the, the, the three of them need to shut the hell up is what they need to do. They need to get over it. There's this constant posturing in the media and this whining back and forth. I, I'm getting to the point. I'm not kidding. I would package the three picks, draft, draft, draft one of these quarterbacks up high, release Brady, fire Belichick, and tell Gronk to effing retire because I'm done with it. Wow. You guys want to sit here and do this power struggle. It, it is nauseating. It, it's in Brett Favre territory now. It really wow. is. This is Gronk dragging this saga out. This is the most selfish, 
look at me crap I've ever seen. And you know what? Gronk is underpaid. But at the same time, you know what? Try making it healthy through more than one season every four years. Try playing, <laughs> try playing all 16 games and, instead of sitting here whining about your contract. These guys, a bunch of babies is what they are. And it's sickening. Right. It is the fall of the Roman Empire. The dynasty's over. Wow. Check that out, everybody. I'm going to for one of these. Up there, I've never <laughs> you ran against the Patriots that way before, but I do agree with everything you just said there. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring the bell because I can't top that. Let's move on. Let's move on and talk about some quarterback targets in the draft. So everyone's talking about the top five. You know, we've been talking endlessly about Sam Darno and the two Joshes and Lamar Jackson and and basically and uh, Baker Mayfield, all those guys. But let's talk about the next tier of quarterbacks. Let's talk about Mason Rudolph. Oklahoma State, and let's talk about Luke Falk from Washington State. So Mason Rudolph first. You know, in 2016, Mason Rudolph completed 63% of his passes for 4,910 yards, 28 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Pretty good. 2017 completed 65% of his passes for 4,904 yards, 37 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. Even better. So there's been some talk about whether Mason Rudolph can slide in and help the team. Of course, there are concerns with him because he doesn't play under center. He plays in the shotgun, and his accuracy has been a little bit shaky. Plus, he's been criticized for not going through his progressions uh, while in college, which doesn't really matter in kind of the spread offense they play in Oklahoma State. So um, what are your thoughts about Mason Rudolph, and when do you think he might go? And throw out a couple places where you think he might end up if he were drafted. Mason, uh, Mason, Mason Rudolph is one of my uh, sneaky favorite uh, quarterbacks in this draft. I mean, I, I've, wow. I've been on record saying this multiple times. This top five class, it's kind of, it's kind of the, the general theory of quarterbacks in, in general, right? You know, if you're on a team and you have two quarterbacks, uh, it means you have no quarterbacks. And if you're, if you're an NFL draft class and there's five quarterbacks who are interchangeable where they could go, that means you have zero good quarterbacks. That means that none of these guys have established themselves as elite. And uh, I saw this earlier uh, tweeted by Mark Leopold. Now, it's, it's from a site called playerprofiler.com. There's no disrespect mm-hmm. I've never heard of, so I don't know how to trust it. But they basically have Josh Allen's uh, comp. Uh, his player comp is Brock Osweiler. So that's just wow. something. <laughs> I like the way he plays. I know that obviously there's concerns, especially coming out of that conference in college where stats are always padded, that he is just out of shotgun. It is one of those guys that doesn't look like he's been developed well. Um, but the, the quick release, the way he moves the ball, um, his decision-making, I know there's, like you said, some questions about his read progression, um, but I think there's a raw talent there you can get later in the draft that you could develop. And, uh, you know, so, that, I mean, with that said, my number one spot he could go, it's really two spots I see him, but my first spot is New England as a guy that doesn't have to come in and start right away because despite, you know, I got a little taken away with that last rant. Uh, so if Belichick, Brady, and uh, Gronk are listening, please don't do any of the stuff I just said. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully Brady's still here and uh, and uh, Rudolph is the guy who's uh, developing behind him. Uh, and then for a similar situation, uh, you know, I'm looking at Pittsburgh. They, you know, yeah. another, another team with a quarterback on the edge and, and maybe even the Giants. I think the Giants should probably go a little bit higher up and take somebody and they most likely will. But if for whatever reason they decide to address, you know, uh, the, the 10,000 other holes that team has and uh, go Rudolph later on, I think he would make a lot of sense there. But I think he makes sense for a team that you have an older guy who's going to, you know, stay into another one. That's going to play another two, three years. Um, they can develop him and then, and then slot him in after that. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with the Steelers. I like, I love that pick because, you know, Roethlisberger has been kind of threatening to retire for quite some time now. They need, an, they need a, a true 
a plan B. And uh, if he can learn from him, you know, I know how you feel about Roethlisberger, but I think he can teach him a lot if he were to sit behind him and learn how to play the game from behind center. And I also think that maybe the Chargers, uh, you know, Rivers isn't going to be there forever, and that might give him even a longer leash to learn how to play in the NFL and play under center. So I, I do like all those things. I do. I am concerned though, because there is no guarantee that he will progress. But for the type of pick you'll be able to get for uh, type of pick you'll have to spend to get him, they think he may be worth it. Let's go to the next guy. Let's go to Luke Falk from the Washington State. Now uh, he has had a little bit of a, a longer time proving it in college. In 2015, he completed 69% of his passes for 4,561 yards and 38 touchdowns and just eight interceptions. And then he he progressed in 2016 to completing 70% of his passes for 4,468 yards, 38 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. And then this past year, 3,593 yards, 67% completion percentage, 30 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So a little bit of a down year this year. Now keep in mind, just like we saw with Rudolph, he plays in a spread offense. There are a lot of concerns about the fact that he always plays from shotgun. He does not play under center. But he is incredibly good uh, in the pocket, and he has great accuracy. It's just a question of whether he can go through progressions and whether he can learn to be under center or not. What are your thoughts about Luke Falk uh, from Washington State? So I, I do not like Luke Falk at all. Um, when you first wow. look at it, he's another guy with a good quick release, which I I think is huge. It's the, the precipice of why I like Jimmy G. It's what I think Brady built his career on. Same thing with Peyton Manning. I think that quick release is so important in the NFL. Um, and, you know, when you first look at it, Again, I think you can develop a guy who doesn't work under center. Um, you know, I think he has, you know, people have questions about his arm strength, which, again, the NFL, I think, if, you know, again, Brady and Manning shown that, you know, that, that that's one of the dumbest things is coming out of college is the arm strength because gunslingers are usually so prolific in the NFL. That's really what you need is a guy who can huck the ball 60-yard, <clears throat> Jay Cutler. Um, and then, you know, not a great, not a very mobile quarterback, which is more of a concern in this day and age, but at the same time, that doesn't worry me. What worries me, and this is coming off the weaknesses list on his NFL.com draft profile. Uh, field, side, uh, field side throws attempts deep middle will float, allowing defenders time to close. Inconsistency with anticipatory throws a concern. Waits too long uh, to cut it loose, leading to receivers into oncoming traffic. Uh, slow to see blitzers and misses his route. Des- decision-making stalls after getting through early reads. Majority of interceptions came against zone. Nonchalant short, thro- uh, short, short touch throws, defaulting back to foot release. Uh, yeah. And uh, almost 74% of his passes were, were less than 10 yards. Now, it's okay if you don't have the greatest arm strength in the world, but when you don't recognize blitz, you can't beat the zone, and you float balls beyond 10 yards, and you can't hit the guys on the sideline, all set. That's all I got to say on fault. I, I, I Yeah. All of that. that Not is, that a fan. A recipe for, for somebody who's a disaster in the NFL waiting to happen. Wow. Okay, I, I will say this. I, I, I agree that there's a lot of issues here, but I do like the fact that um, perhaps he's tear, pair him with somebody who can work with the shortcomings he has over a significant amount of time. And I think the Dolphins should probably go and reach higher because I don't know if Tannehill is the answer, but they recommitted to Tannehill for a year. So I don't mind taking a really late flyer, fourth, fifth round on Fox seeing how he develops in Miami. I think that's a, it's a possibility. Adam Gase has done uh, better with worse. Um, he's relatively good with quarterbacks, so it would be interesting to see if that ended up happening. I don't know if there's any guarantee at all that he will ever start or play a snap in the NFL, but I think that's an interesting place to look. All right, let's go ahead and ring the bell because we're going to get to our last topic. We only got 
two minutes left, so let's get into our way too early AFC and NFC conference champs. Why don't you give, me, give them to me? Give them your NFC and your AFC conference champ prediction for 2018. Well, I'll start with the NFC. I'm going to be super boring, but, I mean, when the defending champions get back their starting quarterback, who's one of the uh, – who's a top ten talent and the best young quarterback in football, um, I don't know how you pick against them. They, need it. they really didn't peel off any big pieces off that roster, so – you know, I'm going Eagles on the NFC side and on the AFC side. Uh, I hate to say this, and, you know, the NFL won't love this because of the ratings, um, but I think I think Jacksonville takes that leap this year. So I think we are wow. we're looking at a Jacksonville-Philadelphia showdown uh, come next February. <laughs> Super exciting. So I, I, I like those picks, but let me say I'm going to take another. I'm going to take a little bit of a different direction. I'm going to say that the Minnesota Vikings actually take the next step. I think that uh, Kirk Cousins actually is the piece that they were missing. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but I think the Minnesota Vikings can take the next step. I also have an eye on Los Angeles Rams. I think it's interesting to see what they might be able to do on the NFC. On the AFC side, I actually like the Houston Texans of Deshaun Watson coming back. I know that's ultra, ultra bold. And then I'll go really generic on my backup. I think the Patriots still have a shot at being there too. So I'll throw that out there as well. All right, we're down to our last minute. So why don't you go ahead and uh, I'm going to ring the bell here. Why don't you give us your Twitter and Instagram so people can follow you? Yeah, that's how far the Patriots have pissed me off. I think this is the first time in the three no, years I of our podcast you did. <laughs> that, I, that, that I don't have the Patriots in the Super Bowl, let alone winning it. Um, right. So you can follow me on uh, for all my uh, – for all those sensitive Patriot fans, come at me at Twitter, at Ryan Whitfield, <laughs> N-E. Follow me on Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time. It's hell, so I, I'm almost regretting saying that. Uh, but make sure you go and check out my boys, Drafting Sleepers, at DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports. And follow me at FB Garbage Time. And check out our website because we have the results of our mock draft from Twitter. It is fantastic. Those guys from Urban Sports Scene and Beer Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast helped us out. It's fantastic. Check it out. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week. Nobody's taking me to task yet on my, uh, on my mock draft either, so feel free to come, uh, come at me on that too. <laughs> yes. In, in other words, come at Ryan with everything. Everything you got. I check it too often. I'll, I'll reply. Don't you worry. <laughs>